something that I love, one of my favorite things, is walking on the beach. Anybody else? Okay, there's like a range of love for the beach, okay? Some of us are in the get your toes in the sand. Like, I want to, you know, be as close as I can to the water. I'm like in the water. How many of you guys are there? How many of you, that's you? Let me see your hands. Okay, a few. And then, you know what? There's also the other end of the spectrum where you're like, I love the waves and the sun, but from afar, okay? My idea of a beach day is like sitting at a restaurant where I can see it, and that's it. Like, that's as close as we get. Who all is in that camp? Yes, okay, we got a few, we got all of the above, and we need all of us to be a complete body of Christ, all right? Uh, But I am definitely in the first camp, so when I'm walking, I'm like, in the water, basically, but it's like a balance because if you get too close, then all of a sudden that one big wave comes and you're swimming without even realizing it. So it's like this balance of being in the water so it cools you down, but like far enough where you can run away if you need to, right? So I'm walking and it's so relaxing because you get to see the waves coming in, just the repetition. You see all the families interacting and you can tell who's on holiday because they have matching outfits and, you know, you, you do the little smile and nod to everyone else who's walking and passing you and all the ships, you're like, oh, let's see how many there are today. Okay, that's great. And as I'm walking, I'm realizing that uh, when I look back at the families, can't can't really see what they're doing anymore because, um, I don't know, my vision's getting a little blurry. And I'm like, wait, it's not like I've aged in the amount of time I've taken this walk, so what's going on? But all I see is like little blobs. I can't really tell what they're doing. So I realize, as we all know, when you live close to the ocean, that it's the moisture in the air and the salt and the dirt starts building up, so you have all this gunk, right, on my sunglasses. So I'm like, all right, I can't even see what's going on anymore. I'm kind of blind. So if I want to keep walking, kind of need to see where I'm going. So take the glasses off, you know, rub them down a little bit. No, not quite. All right, wrestling with it a little bit more. Oh, wow. I can see clearly now the film is gone. Right? You're just like, oh, my gosh, it's a whole new world. Why didn't I do that 10 minutes ago? Oh, my goodness. You know, last week, Pastor David, he did such an incredible job talking to us about serving. And if all of us are leaders, which we are, then that means we need to follow Jesus' example and be servants as well, right? And the presence of God was so tangible in this room. So many of you, and I talked to you guys, so I know that this is true. You were truly asking yourself, God, how do you want me to serve? How do you want me to give? And this morning, some of us, we may have salt-colored glasses on, and our vision is a little blurry, and we need to wipe away some things so that we can see not only how we can serve, but who we can serve. And in order to do that, we need clarity of vision to see the people around us. You see, when we're God's children, we understand that we're on mission. And so the point of life, it's not just to aimlessly wander around, okay, and try to be happy until we die. 
we know that we are called to use our gifts and our talents and our position and our resources to point people to Jesus. We are making disciples. No matter what our occupation is, no matter what our job is, we are mandated to make disciples. But how can I effectively make disciples if I don't see the people around me to, that can be those disciples? God, this morning, I pray that you would open our eyes to see the people around us. And Holy Spirit, I'm just praying right now that you would help this message to be real to every single one of us in this room, no matter how long we've served you, no matter how much we feel like we love people, even if we're just hearing the name of Jesus for the first time today, Lord, that there is something that you can speak to us. And we ask that you would open our eyes this morning. Amen. You see, Jesus... He took every opportunity to change perspective. Um, and when he interacted with people, often the disciples were left scratching their heads. They're like, what is going on? But Jesus, he saw something in people that others couldn't see. And in fact, he saw, he noticed, he talked to people that others missed. So let's look at the word. We're going to start in John 4 couple of uh, stories that we are going to focus on this morning. And the first one is the woman at the well. It says, so he came, of course, this is Jesus. He came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, What do you want, or why are you talking with her? The disciples were confused. Jesus, what? are you doing, man? But nobody wanted to say anything because like, Jesus, like, what's going on? This isn't what's done. Honestly, the Samaritan woman was confused. Why are you asking me for a drink? There's another story I want us to connect with in Luke 19, talking about our friend Zacchaeus. Verse number one says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, oh, he has gone to, the, to be a guest of a sinner. People were grumbling, what is happening? Why would he go and spend time with this man? That doesn't make any sense. Both of these people were dismissed by society. Okay, so one was a woman, first off. The fact that a man was talking to a woman, what? She was a Samaritan 
The Jews despised the Samaritans, okay, and vice versa. And then we also know when we really look at their conversation in that passage, she was there at a time by herself, not with the other ladies. So we know that she was an outcast in society as well. All right? All of these things together. Why would Jesus start up a conversation with her? The other one is a tax collector. Okay, he built his wealth on the backs of the people, taking money from them. He's essentially an enemy of the people. He's a sinner. What would Jesus want to do? Why is he in his home? Like, that's a great respect to spend time in people's homes. Why does he want to be there? And as we dive a little bit deeper into this, we're going to see what Jesus says. But I want us to take the time to ask ourselves questions in our own lives. Who have we dismissed? Are we like the disciples? Are we like the other people in the society? Who have we looked past? The thing is that we are all conditioned to do this, whether we realize it or not. So it takes intentionality to see someone for who they are. Who have we dismissed? Maybe it's because we see them as insignificant. Maybe it's because of their job or their status in some way. Eh, it's not really worth my time. Maybe it's because of something that they did. You know, they've done things that we disapprove of. You know, they are a sinner themselves. Maybe they've done things specifically to us. So we see them as an enemy. How about we dismiss them because of that? Maybe we just don't understand them because, well, you know, they're a different culture, so they do things differently than me. Okay, you can understand that, right? I mean, we have different personality types, okay? So we can't really figure out how to communicate. We don't really have anything to talk about. Maybe it's just what's always been done. But if we are called to adopt a kingdom culture according to the word, we lay down the culture we were born into, then why must we continue to live by our culture's rules? I mean, just because somebody else treats their wait staff at the restaurant uh, with disrespect and they like force them to earn that tip, does that mean that we have to do the same thing? Just because there's certain people, people won't look certain people in the eyes, do we also do the same? Just because my family says, oh, these people are too dangerous to interact with, okay? Does that mean I comply? I'm called to live by the kingdom culture. The truth is every single person deserves dignity and respect. Every single person matters to Jesus. And that means that they should matter to us as well. You guys know that we've all seen horses, that they have these little blinders on the sides, right? It's actually really important if they're doing any kind of work because, well, it keeps them on task. Horses have really great peripheral vision. Basically, they can see like 360 all the way around since their eyes are on the sides of their heads. Okay, but that makes them like really skittish because they see something, they want to get away from it to protect themselves. Okay, so we put these blinders on them 
So it keeps them focused on just what's right in front of them. All right, we're going down this road. This is the task right now, okay? It keeps them on task. It's awesome for those that are working with horses, but often we do the same thing without realizing it. We put our horse blinders on and we think it's all right. I'm just doing this one thing, it's okay. But what we do is we cut off our peripheral vision. We're so narrowly focused on what our task is, on what we need to do, on how it affects our lives that we forget to see the people around us. We don't see the lady at the grocery store that's right next to us that seems so overwhelmed. She has tears in her eyes. We don't see that our kids are asking questions or acting out because there's something that's bothering them. We're so narrowly focused. We've got to take the blinders off. You see, often we see ourselves as a protagonist in our own story, right? Okay, we're the lead in the movie of our lives, right? Right? Yes. Love it. Sometimes you're like, I'm walking to my own soundtrack right now. Okay. All right, we are the lead in our own story. And so what other people do It affects us, okay, that plays into our story, but do we ever think about what we do plays into someone else's story? Like they're the lead in their story as well? So we, they are not just supporting characters for us. They are not just extras where they remain faceless and nameless. Every person is on a journey. Every person has a story that matters. People are not just objects to us or a means to an end, which you're like, of course I don't see people as objects. Okay, honestly, we do that all the time because we see what they can do for us or we know, oh, well, they're just, you know, they're to serve us in this moment. We see them as part of the establishment. Like, do we ever dismiss the car guard as just part of the car park, okay, part of just what happens there, instead of seeing him as a man? Do we ever, maybe he had a bad day, but he's choosing to smile anyway? Do we ever, we see our boss as like a machine, maybe we see them as the enemy, instead of seeing them as a person with the weight of the company on their shoulders and they're trying to make the best decision for their employees. Sometimes we forget that people are not objects, they're people. And it's true for anyone that we're looking at, not just the people that serve us or work for us, but those that we also serve or work for. And we also can't forget those that are closest to us because some of us we've been serving the Lord for a long time and we have conditioned ourselves like we are so good at being compassionate maybe the Lord's even gifted you in that way and so you're great at seeing people outside of these walls and serving them and loving them but we forget that our family also needs to be loved and served We see our family as maybe just, you know, someone to do the dishes or drop us off at school. Someone to drop off at school again. (laughs) 
are the only person in the world who gets to be your child's mother. There is no one else that can be a better father to your children than you. We can't leave that to somebody else to do. Our family is our greatest treasure, and that's where we need to start. And if we are great at loving people outside of our walls, but we forget those closest to us, then we've missed something. In 1 Timothy 3, 4, and 5, you know, this passage is actually talking about elders in the church, but we've established that we are all leaders, correct? And so even if we don't have an official position, we should still look at these passages and say, this is what I need to strive for. This is what I'm going to do as an example to others, as a leader, okay? Part of it, he says, he must manage, a leader, must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? If we haven't started making disciples in your home, why are we trying to start with other people? That's where we got to start. Some of you are like, uh, Pastor Meredith, I'm like you, and we don't got a family around. So, like, what are you talking about? All right, well, we know we can honor and love our family from afar, but also let's think about, like, who is right around you, okay? Who's in your work circle? Maybe there's a hobby that you're involved in. You see these people all the time. Who are your neighbors? Who do you live next to? Have you ever introduced yourself? Have you ever invited them into your home? Let's start there. Which kind of brings up another question. Sometimes, you know, we, we come to church and we go home and we're just with our family all the time. Like, are you ever around people? Maybe we need to broaden our circle a bit. And I was, as I was praying about this and preparing this message this week, the Lord brought another thought to my mind that sometimes we don't see others because we don't want to be seen. Because it takes a certain level of vulnerability that when you're looking at someone, they're looking back at you. Right? And so we avoid eye contact. We don't want to start a conversation. We're like, hey, I don't have energy for that right now, okay? Maybe you, you know them, some stuff has happened in the past, like, I don't even want to start, okay? So we're just going to avoid it altogether. Maybe you look ugly that day, okay? And you're like, it is Saturday, I haven't washed my hair, I just put on clothes I got from the ground on, okay? I'm just going to the grocery store. I do not want to start a conversation because then people will notice this. All right, sometimes you're like, oh, Pastor Meredith, I'm very self-aware. Today is a bad attitude day, okay? I am not going to invite anybody else into this, all right? I'm protecting the world right now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we might think that we're protecting others. We're, we feel safer, when we stick to ourselves. And in an effort to keep ourselves more comfortable, 
are we missing out on an opportunity to serve? Are we blinding ourselves to who might need a touch from the Lord that day? I know for some of you, the idea of starting a conversation with everyone that you see is like, it really stresses you out. You're like, please, please, Pastor Meredith, we're not all like you, okay? We don't like to talk to everyone. And I understand that God has made all of us differently. But what I want you to get from this is just around me, okay? If I'm, I can't... I can't spread the good news if I don't see who I can spread the good news to. Divine opportunities, they may fall in our laps, but we have to be looking for them or we miss them. So I need to notice who's around me, but I also need to see them with a heavenly perspective. Let's go back to our stories, back to the woman at the well. We're going to jump around a bit so we can finish out this story. Of course, Jesus and the woman, they have this um, conversation back and forth where Jesus actually uh, knows about her life without her even telling it. And so he's talking to her and says, yeah, I see you. I know you. Starts telling her about her life. Then the woman said, she's trying to make sense of all this. She says, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I am the Messiah. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and they made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. It wasn't just that Jesus spoke to her. The fact that he spoke to a woman of ill reputation in Samaria, that could have been a lesson in itself to the disciples. But Jesus didn't stop there. He was intentional about his conversation with her. He didn't just see her sin. He saw what could happen if he entrusted her with the gospel. Jesus, he revealed his true identity as the Messiah and gave her an opportunity to step into her true identity as an evangelist. This woman tells her entire village about Jesus. This woman who was a part of a people group who was supposed to despise Jesus, despise that people group, says, you know what? This man is the real deal. You have to come see him. The whole village, so many of them believed they begged Jesus to stay, to stay with them a few days so they could keep learning from him. So many of the other towns that they were going through didn't do this. They were his own people. This woman was a powerful beacon of light for the gospel. And we would have missed out on that if Jesus didn't take the time and see past her sin, gospel to you. The first one I'm telling that I am the Messiah was this woman. Our other story Luke 19, we're coming back. All the people were grumbling. Why would Jesus want to be in the house of Zacchaeus? And it says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here 
And now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay them back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Why would Jesus spend time with sinners? Sure, okay. He probably knew Zacchaeus' name. Everybody knew his name. We all hate him. He's the tax collector, all right? He stole from all of us. That's why he's filthy rich. So, all right, it's Jesus. We can maybe understand that he would be nice enough to notice him hanging from a tree and call him by name. All right, we get it. But to spend time in his home? Yeah, sure, Jesus. He knew who he was. He saw the wealth that he had built up, but he also looked past that and he saw a man whose heart was ready for salvation. What would have happened if he walked by him that day? Do we see others the way God sees them? Do we really? we got to look beyond the surface. Sure, they've made mistakes. Sure, they frustrate us. Sure, they've done things to hurt us. Maybe they're difficult to work with, but God has a plan for them. Your child that cannot keep his mouth shut. One day he may grow up to be a preacher. A lot of times they do. <laughs> That friend that keeps shady company, one day she may have access to that unique people group to be able to share the gospel. That tyrant of a boss, what if they accept salvation? They change the trajectory of the company. They have the resources to empower others. How? would we see people differently if we believed that they were all on a journey to Jesus? Maybe they're at one end of the spectrum. They're people that are in need of Jesus, okay? Listen, we can't expect them to live by the same standards that we can't expect them. The Bible is their guidebook for living yet. We can't expect them to live the same life as us, to truly understand how to love others or receive love themselves. They don't know the one who is love. We have to encourage them, not dismiss them as a lost cause, not dismiss them as an enemy. They need a gentle reminder that we're there and we're not leaving, no matter what they do. There might be some people, all right, they're a little farther on the spectrum. Okay, they know Jesus. <laughs> but what they are doing is so disappointing. Like, they're stuck in this sin. They can't get out of it, no matter what I say. They're stuck in their head. And yes, the Bible does say, okay, we need to challenge and, and correct each other. And we can do that when we're within the family of God. But have we focused so much on the correction that we forget the part of us that's supposed to inspire them to greater deeds? I mean, the truth is that when we are close to people, okay, the closer we are, we get to see behind the curtain. We know all the things that are annoying about them. 
Okay. So it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit harder to be encouraging. It's a little bit harder to be inspiring uh, when their current reality is like slapping you in the face every day. But they still need our encouragement. Do we see them as a nuisance or as a tool that God is using to impact the world? See, disciple makers develop leaders. If we believe that we're all leaders in this room, then that's what we need to help other people to be, right? So if we're developing leaders, that means we need to trust them. That means we need to believe the best in them. Even if there is some correction that needs to be made. That means calling out their true identity, especially when they can't even see that for themselves. We need to see people for who they can become. Maybe for who they truly are already, they just haven't tapped into yet, just like Jesus did. In Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, it says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. What the Lord's will is. We know this, so we need to make the most of every opportunity that we have with people. There are a couple practical ways that we can do this. Anytime that I am hanging out with friends on the way, when I'm driving on the way, I'm praying intentionally, Lord, you know who will be there today. You know who will be there tonight. You know what they're going through. If I need to listen, I'll listen. If I need to speak, speak through me. If I need to do nothing, Lord, lead me. How can I help move people towards you? today. Let's be intentional. Let's realize that every time that we are with people is an opportunity for a divine appointment. Something else that we can do is uh, bring people into our, our circle that can help us out. Because remember when I was walking with the sunglasses Okay, it wasn't really that long before everything built up. So if I go on another walk today after service, the same thing's going to happen again, right? So if I just wipe it off one time, am I good? Your, bl your vision becomes blurry again. And so we need to continually keep our perspective in check. How can we do that with other people? I remember a time when I was telling a friend about another person and I was uh, really focusing on the challenges that this person presented. And as I'm talking about this person, then my friend's like, wow, man, this person can really make a difference in this community. And I, I may even have stopped mid-sentence. I just stopped for a second and I was like, I love this person. And I believe in them, but my words are not showing it right now. And I am so glad that I had a friend 
who also saw the good in that person and was confident enough to speak it out even when I was complaining because I needed that perspective shift. Another time, texting about somebody else. I was complaining without being obvious and looking back, if I'm honest with myself, like I was trying to get my friend to be on my side and my friend responds, it's another friend, responds with how lovely this person is. I'm like, yes, that person is so lovely. I am so glad that I have friends that are willing to speak up and say that and remind me that my vision is getting a little blurry. So who is in your inner circle? Do they also believe the best in others? Are they also calling out their true identity or are they ready to jump on the complaining bandwagon? Are they more prone to gossip? than seeing people the way that God sees them. The thing is, God has placed these people, it doesn't matter how long you know them. Sometimes we journey with people for many years. Sometimes it's that one night and we never see them again. But there is a reason you are in the same place. God has placed people within your sphere of influence for this season on purpose. Every day is an opportunity to move others toward Jesus. Your listening ear, your smiling face could be what launches someone into a life of freedom. Worship team, if you want to come back up here and just start playing once you get up here. Guys, I just want to look at one more scripture this morning as just a picture for us. In, back in Luke 18, there's a blind man there. And he hears that Jesus is coming into town. When he knows that Jesus is close by, he says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus comes to this man. And in verse 41, he says, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And in the same way that this man received his physical sight, this morning we need to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to see. We all have blind spots. If we don't know they're there. That's why they're blind spots. God, reveal that to me. Who am I missing?
the opportunities you are giving us to bring others along on your journey. Continue to speak to us throughout this week, Lord. We love you. We love you so much. Bless every person in this room. you guys. I'm so excited that I had the opportunity to share with you this